Monday morning on the Radio Tab Breakfast Show, and we always like to finish out having a chat to the Courier Mail's chief sports writer in Robert Crash Craddock, and he joins us now. Crash, good morning. Good morning, Paul and Jared. Yes, uh, actually, we've had better mornings, to be truthful, but uh, you've got to accept the good and the bad and the origin. And you know what? There's uh, a theory that the further you push Queensland down the hole away from home when they get back to Suncorp, the more likely they are to bounce back. So we'll cling to that one for the moment, Paul. Well, we gave the stat this morning, Crash, that, that Queensland have won eight of the nine series that have gone to a decider, or the last eight of nine that have gone to the decider. So, yes, we must hold on to that. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, I think they find something, and... and it's the crowd. It's 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 as if their very essence as a rugby league player depends on it, which it didn't depend on in Perth, did it? It was uh, your one-up game there. And uh, it, it's funny how some games, Paul, you get that feeling from about the opening two minutes, don't you? And and when New South Wales were hustling and busting earlier, I just thought, they're on here. And, and it's uh, they had a supreme level of intensity all the way. And when the dam bursts, it, can, it just goes, uh, it really bursts. And so it did. Now we always start off with your underrated and overrated. So sorry, underrated and overrated. So where should we start? Underrated. How about Let's that? Let's start underrated. And I just think England need about another hundred runs with eight wickets in hand tonight at Leeds to complete a three nil series victory against New Zealand, the world champions. And before this series, they had that won one in sixteen tests. Of course, a new captain Ben Stokes and a new coach. Uh, Brendan McCullum has liberated them. They're averaging, they average five runs and over in the first innings and four in the second. Now, they may stumble and fall tonight, but my point is simply this. I'm not sure whether they can sustain it, but I'm loving, loving, loving seeing England high in the saddle again in Test cricket because the game needs it. It's the talk of England. Everyone is loving the way they've played. Two hurricane centuries by Johnny Bairstow, and uh, it's just... As I said, I still think Australia win the Ashes when they visit there next year because I don't like England's top three. But, man, oh, man, gee, it's good to see them playing so well. And the second underrated was there was a beautiful moment last week when, uh, and I know you've mentioned it, but Jim Joyce, uh, Ash Barty's coach, and he and Ash shared the last hit on the West Brisbane Tennis Centre before it closed after 52 years. Ash's last shot, I think, was little volley into the net just on sunset. It was just the two of them there. They had a hug. There were tears. It was a beautiful, beautiful moment. Like, it sits in the history of Australian sport, really. The defending Wimbledon champion, Suvita Net with a hole in it instead of a year after she won the Wimbledon trophy. But my point is simply this, guys. Great junior coaches like Jim Joyce never quite get the credit they deserve for the input into the champions. Like, you know... Ash was insistent. She wanted to be the last one to play on that court. And, and I thought, you know, had there been no Jim Joyce coaching Ash from age 4 to 12, would there be an Ash Barty story? I'm not sure. He taught her the backhand slice that had Jim Furyk, uh, Jim Furyk uh, not Jim Furyk, Jim Courier, just salivating. He just thought it's a, a, a gift from the gods. So a great story. And a wonderful person too, Jim Joyce. Oh, oh yeah. No, he's one of the best, isn't he? Loves his punning too, and uh, but I just think, uh, yeah, that the, the just you think of that. Like the centre's been there for fifty-two years. They had the last hit together. 
they took the squeak. Anyone who's played tennis in the old-fashioned courts knows those squeaky nets that you unwind. Ash said, can I have the net? They walked out together and bolted the door behind them and no one else will ever hit a ball on that court. Mm. That's, it's sad, but fitting that they were both there at the end. Oh, it was. And that was the way they wanted it. And, you know, they were not interested in, in any television or media being there. They just didn't want to spoil the moment. They had a couple of beers. All the chairs had gone. <laughs> so they had to stand around and have their beers. Just a couple of quiet ones and that talked about the future and the past. What are they going to do? And... You know, uh, the question, most people feel that Ash Barty, who, of course, her Wimbledon title uh, will be taken by someone else on uh, Saturday week, uh, will return to tennis. I, I'm not sure. I've got a far more likely not to come back. I, I just, But the door's not absolutely padlocked, but I, I just feel that she she's done what she wanted to do. And, and what a way to finish that shot that won of the Australian Open. It's not bad, is it? How'd your career finish? Oh, just the shot that won my yeah. home title. First time just in 40 years. a major. Mm. Way to go out. Now, that was your underrated crash. What about your overrated? Well, Brent Reid touched on this, and it's such a good point. Um, backs without forwards are nothing, aren't they? We saw it last night in the State of Origin. You know, Dane Gagai, who, when Queensland are doing well, he looks so penetrative. And even the great Cameron Munster, who's, uh, you know, the king of conjure in the first game and, and can find a gap where no one else can. If your forwards are being monstered, they just look like they're running in quicksand, don't they? And if ever there was a game that proved that old saying that, that forwards... You know, backs without forwards have got nothing. Well, I felt it was last night. They just... <laughs> Valentine Holmes, I think he, he... You know, he just couldn't get started. In the first game, he was mesmeric, wasn't he? So, yeah, it was disappointing. So, just, just... Go on, Paul. I was going to say, so what went wrong, Crash? What did you think was the, the theme? Well, that... I, I, it's just that pattern in origin... That you know, you, you mentioned that Queensland have won, uh, you know, ninety percent of their deciders. Well, the Blues have won uh, over the last decade or so ninety uh, percent of the games. When they lose the first game, they win the second. Very few State of Origin series are clean sweeps. Someone normally grabs a game somewhere just through maximum intensity. You know, and it, it's like these arm wrestles. W when you get an arm wrestle and they're fiercely contested and you see the veins bulging in the side of someone's forehead but when the strain takes hold it just slams it on the, the you know the fist gets slammed on the deck doesn't it but they were up for it they really were and Cleary's kicking game he had time and space having Matt Burton there as a second kicker helped Nathan Cleary relax he put the ball purposely on a dime he was brilliant so was Burton that high kicky that he hit to that he kicked to Murray Talagi. Goodness me, that, that seemed to go to another hemisphere, didn't it? Oh, it was the biggest kick I've seen, the highest kick I've ever seen in the rugby league for your crasher. Yeah, it was. And you, you, you think of that. I mean, being underneath it, the crowd roaring, it has... Does it, does it enter a stratosphere where, you know, the light, it changes shade, the shade of it changes in the light? I mean, I mean it just was amazing, wasn't it? It hung up there forever... And the close-up of the ball showed that it was actually sort of floating and drifting a bit. So, man, oh, man, you would not want to be catching that one in Game 3 with the series on the line. Well, just on Game 3, how did Queensland win Game 3? Well, uh, 
they'll they'll pick and stick, Jared. But look, there's there are some issues. I mean, here's one: Selwyn Cobbo. Uh, you, there was a massive debate in the selection panel about whether Cobbo was ready for Origin. People like me and a lot of critics were calling for it, saying he has to play and, and at his best with the Broncos and a team going forward, he was outstanding. But he was making a lot of errors. And we did spotlight that in the Courier Mail, the fact that, you know, the Blues would target him. And he made four last night, four errors. Now, that is a lot in an Origin game. And as we all know, Origin games are lost as much as they're won in terms of you make an error, you cost yourself the game. It's not always the, the fancy play that seals the Origin. It's someone spilling a ball when he shouldn't. And uh, Cobo did not have a good night. Now... There is a feeling he moves on very quickly from his mistakes, but, uh, you know, it, it's... And he'll be, probably be chosen in Game 3. You know, they see him as a 10-year player. But I tell you what, I can see a few Burton bombs heading his way. What do you think? Oh, it's got to be their, their call. Crash, they've got to go. That's why they were doing it. They, I think they, they realised that the... Two of the, uh, the back three are very inexperienced, so they were going to do that. So the wingers... Copped it. They'll be, and I think that's what they'll do again. There'll be a lot of high balls raining down into the corners. Yep, yep. Big pressure, big pressure. Because Burton, as you say, it's very difficult for guys to practice taking Matt Burton's kicks because he kicks them higher than anyone else. So there's no real comparable boot to to M Burton at this stage, uh, and also. You, you, it's all good and well practicing in the daytime, but he's kicking at night. So who knows what the ball looks like when it's fifty meters up in the air in that in that unnatural light. So that's a challenge right there. Maybe what they're going to have to do, Jared, uh, get Alan Graham there on top of this, the uh, the uh, the grandstands there at Suncorp Stadium and get him to sort of kick the ball off that to uh, a <laughs> couple of the wingers there during training with the lights on. Maybe. I was thinking, uh, given what we saw last night with Matt Burton, do, do you think that that's something that will creep into the game a lot more often now, with the, the concentration on kicking the ball high to put more pressure on, on the backs? Terrific question, because I've often thought that rugby league kicks lack variety. I mean, here's mm. an example. What about if you were doing a kickoff, what about putting the ball flat on the ground and just kicking it low, skimming it? Like you a know, rubber, to, yeah. Yeah, grubber towards the touchline and say to someone, you want to, you want to catch this? Try catching this rolling ball and uh, see if you don't knock it on. And just as you said, uh, also, it's this super high ball, Jared. Surely Matt Burton's not the only person who can kick a ball that high. And, um, you know, we remember when Andrew Johns brought in the banana kick, people sort of acted as if it was some sort of freak of nature. But really... You know, the, the possibilities with a football are endless, aren't they, to put curls and curves on it? Goal kicking has improved over the years. I think we all agree with that. You know, you see so many drilled from the sideline now, which are outstanding. But you're right. Will there be Burton clones? It'd be a good place to start for a young player because it's a wonderful attacking weapon. And a potential to get a, a Guernsey in the NFL. Oh, there is, you know, and uh, he, he's been... Um, I saw a story the other day that his right leg is NFL standard so, <laughs> for a punter. So, you know, you, you just never know. You, you, you really... In the sports world, you just never know where you're going to start and where you're going to finish. But 
He is a good player, Bert, and as someone said, he's a natural footballer. He looks like a kid that's been playing in the backyard. He, uh, instead of playing with his phone, he's just sort of been out there kicking and passing and grubbering and getting that ball which bounds off the rear vision mirror and crossing in the corner and saying, no, that's a fair try, all those sort of things. Just, just, and it's great to see. Crash, uh, you've spoken there about Selwyn Cobbo, and he seems to have been one of the players in the spotlight for, for last night's game. Someone else that's got a bit of criticism is is the lack of output from Josh Papalihi. Is he one of the middle forwards? Do you think they might have a question mark against his name for Game 3? Yeah, well, yes, I do. But I, I, he was he played didn't play much at all, did he, in the game? And um, he uh, they needed him last night to be that real impact man early in the tackle count, get the ball in hand, charge in, and, and it just didn't happen. And... He's quite an enigmatic force, Paul, isn't he? Um, he can be absolutely damn-busting in some games. In, in other games, he just seems to go missing a little bit. And that happened last night. And they, the the, uh, uh, the only Queensland forward to make more than 100 metres was Pat Carrigan off the bench. And he only made about 105. Nice little game from Carrigan again. He wasn't as dominant as Game 1. But he showed that Game 1 wasn't a fluke. And he played well again. But, uh, yeah, you're right. And, Crash, uh, just moving along now, because I'm sick of talking about New South Wales winning <laughs> last night. <laughs> we've, got, we've got the first Test Sri Lanka v Australia getting underway in the cricket on Wednesday afternoon. It's on at a good time, 2.30 it, it kicks off. What do you expect to happen here? Yeah, it's interesting. There's a few little uh, very intriguing with the makeup of the Australian team I think they'll play two fast bowlers, but Mitchell Stark has got a cut finger. They'll look at him in the nets today. Wouldn't mind him playing because he took 11 wickets in a test there a few years back. And everyone's saying, oh, this wicket will spin everywhere. It really will. And I get that, but it also swings. Jimmy Anderson took six for 40 for England at Gaul last year. And uh, that broke open the test for him and allowed them to the spinners to pounce in the second innings. Um, I'm hoping Mitchell Swepson uh, will get a game, but there is a push for finger spinners. The research shows that finger spinners who dig the ball into the pitch do better in goal. But I, I, I just love to see Swepson get a game here because if he doesn't, where does he play again? You know, it, it just just worries me. So um, I feel a bit sorry for Mitchell Swepson, Jared, and I'll tell you why, because. He's either a feast or a famine man when it comes to bowling. He was in the yeah, bubble all of last season and barely bowled, then went to Pakistan and bowled a million overs. Now, that's not a preparation. You know, he, he, no wonder he was a bit rocked by it. So uh, he's under pressure. And, of course, Glenn Maxwell is on standby for Travis Head, who has a hamstring injury. He will struggle to play. And if Maxwell plays, that is a good story. I mean, hasn't played a test in five years. Uh, you know, and, and just the sort of player that could come in completely cold and surprise you. You know, like he could, with he, bat he could and bat ball. really well over there. With bat and ball. Oh, yeah, yeah, he could. And nice little addition with the off spin he would be. So, um, Gaul is, Sri Lanka is one of the great tours in world cricket. I only did one tour there. It was Shane Warne's comeback after a drug ban. And we sat there and watched Warren get five wickets in an innings and Muriel Litherin would get five wickets in an innings. And they were, it was this magnificent spin fest. So just 
um, it's it's a great the the famous old Dutch fort from I think it's the 14th century. If Australia wins the test, they go up there to sing the song, and it echoes throughout the fort. It's just behind the straight hit boundary, and um, it's a beautiful place to play test cricket. A, a, uh, this will be great Wednesday night. Two tests in two weeks, both at Gore. Crash. Now, if if Travis Head doesn't doesn't come up with his hamstring, Glenn Maxwell comes in. You made mention there of Mitchell Swepson. If there's no Swepson, if they want to go with another spinner, is it Matt Kuhneman a chance to make his test debut if they want to go with two finger spinners? Yeah, I, I think he's some chance because Ashton Agar has a, is, is likely to be fit for the second test and a good chance of playing. Um, they, they, they kept... Matt Kuhneman and also John Holland on, the uh, left-arm spinner, another left-arm spinner, just to train with the boys and the possibility of a late call-up after the one-day series. Uh, so Kuhneman is a chance and um, it's a really big decision for him in the next couple of days. Um, our mail was that, that Swepson might have been just ahead of him, but it was a big debate ahead and it could still go the other way. Uh, I, I think you'll be... This is going to be fascinating, this test, because I, I just think the goal... I, I love the sight of the wicket really turning, men around the bat, uh, the vultures circling. You know, Sri Lanka, not the team they were, but they're never easy at home. They're never easy at home. Crash, so much to talk about. We're just coming to the end of the show, so just a quick one. We can't get to Wimbledon, but what about the war between Greg Norman and the establishment with the Live Golf Tour. Who's winning at the moment? Uh, they're both taking torpedoes midships, but uh, Norman is making solid progress, and the more people he signs, the more he's hurting the tour. He's forced them to put up their prize money. He's signed guy, his signing of Brooks Kepter was big news, and so it should be. A four-time major winner. He will get eyeballs on that tournament. And we understand there's more ahead. So uh, neither side is actually winning the war. They're hurting each other. But I've got to say this. Norman is... He was laughed off earlier this year. Well, no-one's laughing now. He, he's getting a lot of good names and they're a force to be reckoned with. They will initially create damage for the tour and golf will eventually emerge a stronger product because of it. That's my tip. Good on you, Crash. It's always a pleasure. Uh, unfortunately... Sad news this morning about Queensland. So, fingers crossed, we're bouncing back for Game 3, July 13. We'll catch Can't up wait. again soon, Rob. See you then.